Hey guys, it's Keon, and today I'm going to give you my recap on UFC 256. What a card. Honestly, I'm just going to start off by saying, for me, this was the best card of the year, which is perfect way to close the, the 2020 year, which was filled with so many troubles, specifically talking about the pandemic just affecting cards, fights, this and that. But this one, top to bottom... It truly lived up to it, and I could say something about every fight here, and that's what I'm going to do, basically. The only one I can't really talk about is the Chase Hooper fight, because I actually missed that one. Um, but I heard it was a fun fight, and then Chase Hooper came back and got that submission win, which is pretty impressive. But let's start off with the main event, which was the flyweight title between Davison Figueiredo and Brendan Moreno, which ended in a draw. First off... I don't know if it's fight of the year, and the only reason why I say it's not fight of the year is because the fifth round kind of dwindled down a little bit. If the fifth round was still as high pace as even the fourth round, the fourth round was crazy in that fight, and in my opinion, the best round. But if the fifth round was even like 75% of that or 50% of that, I would definitely put this fight as fight of the year. But for me, it's still, uh, you want a young check and uh uh zang zang wei li zang <laughs> i don't know whether to say zang wei li or wei li zang but i'm gonna say wei li zang um i still think that's my fight of the year right now but this one was really good too the biggest thing i took away from it is that brendan moreno can take a shot and um most people would go out from the punches that Davison Figueiredo was uh, throwing early on. And even midway through, um, he connected and Brendan Moreno was still standing, which is so impressive to me. But Davison Figueiredo, he had food poisoning before this fight, which is crazy that he went five rounds and in one of the most brutal fights ever because he, he got tagged a couple of times as well. Um, Brandon Moreno not only showed so much heart, but a lot of skill, man. His striking is crisp. It doesn't carry the same amount as power of power as Davis and Figueredo, but in the end, he showed up to this fight. Regardless if he didn't go home with the belt, he didn't go home with the W. Ending in a draw like this is very impressive in my opinion because there's so much hype surrounding Davis and Figueredo. Uh, in terms of how long he's going to be a champ for. Many people believe he's going to be a long-time champ. And honestly, I think he will be, but Brendan Moreno is just that guy who is able to give him a fight. You know, There's not that many people in the flyweight division who would be able to do that. I don't even think Cody Garbrandt could go five rounds like that with Davis and Figueiredo, but I don't know. Let me know what you think, because in my opinion, yeah, no other fighter can go like that at the same pace as Davison Figueiredo, other than Brendan Moreno. I just can't think of any right now. Um, how did I score this fight? Well, for me, I scored it Davison rounds one, two, and five. And then I scored uh, rounds three and four for Brendan Moreno. And then because there was that point deduction because of that brutal nut shot that was crazy when i saw that i was like i felt the pain from that i think that was the nastiest nut shot that i've ever i've ever seen in an mma fight because it, it the sound of it was just it was brutal like the cup 
really didn't matter at this point because <laughs> that was hard, man, and it was direct impact. And what's even more surprising is that Brandon Moreno didn't didn't even take the full five minutes. For me, I would have taken like five minutes and still not continue to fight because that looked so painful. But he continued after two minutes, and in my opinion, he won that third round, which would be a 10-8, and then round four was definitely for him, so a 10-9, and in the end, I would score it as a draw. I think 47 to 47 makes sense, um, but yeah, I I agree with the decision. I don't really agree with the 48 to 46. I could understand maybe uh, doing a 48 to 46, but um, my pick would be 47 to 47 for sure. Um, I'm excited for the rematch, man. I know it's hard for uh, fights to live up to a rematch, especially when the first fight was so good. But I think these are two fighters that they they have the hunger right now. And that's why I think the rematch would be really good, in my opinion. Um, yeah, I, I can't say anything more about this fight. It was really good so let's move on to the co-main event and that was charles Oliveira versus tony ferguson charles Oliveira defeated tony ferguson by unanimous decision 30s to 26s across the board and in my opinion it was even more dominant than the justin gaethje fight justin gaethje he he was pretty dominant in his fight with tony ferguson but he still got tagged a couple of times. There was moments where he was hurt, you know, but Charles Oliveira was good, man. It was like the Ke Kevin Lee fight. I, there was never a moment where I, where I thought Charles Oliveira was in danger or was in trouble. I thought he had the fight in his control. And it's just amazing to see this growth of Charles Oliveira from the young prospect back in 2010, where many people thought he was going to be a champion very soon once he signed with the UFC and even though that didn't happen we're here now in 2020 and in my opinion I think he's going to be the next UFC lightweight champion because he is so impressive not just his ground game is I think the best in the UFC right now but his stand-up has improved so much it's crazy to see how good he is on the feet now this is a guy I'll tell you, I'll put this into perspective for you. This is a guy I saw fight live at UFC 152, which was in Toronto, and he got knocked out by Cub Swanson. It was in featherweight. To think about from that moment to now, it's, it's just two different fighters. You know, it's crazy to think that was Charles Oliveira. I forgot that Charles Oliveira lost on that card, and I was there live. Um, but now he... He's grown, he's stronger, and his stand-up, man, his stand-up is very good. I'm so impressed with how good he looks all around. He's truly become an all-around fighter. And Tony Ferguson, on the other hand, it's a difficult position that he's in right now. Obviously, there's so many people saying um, he lost it, he doesn't have it anymore, the worst one, I think, is when people are saying Tony wouldn't have beaten Khabib if they fought. I think that's like such a bad argument based on his two-fight losing streak. Because in his prime, Tony, Perg Tony Ferguson in his prime was definitely a threat to Khabib Nurmagomedov, in my opinion. 
So for people to be saying after the fact with his injuries and his two-fight losing streak, oh yeah, this would have been horrible if he fought Khabib. <laughs> That's crazy, man. That's crazy. And um, it would have been a good fight if Tony and Khabib fought back in their primes when Tony was in his prime as well. But obviously he's not anymore. That's just how I see it right now. He's not at his top physical peak that he once was due to injuries. And this two-fight losing streak definitely takes down some momentum in his career. I'm just interested into seeing what's next for him. I, I've been seeing on social media he's not really taking this loss as a loss. He... um is impressed with how he defended all these submissions and didn't get submitted. That armbar was nuts, man. I can't believe he did not tap to that. That was reminiscent of Dan Hardy versus GSP. I don't know how he continued fighting after that because that hyperextended. And once a arm gets hyperextended like that, it's basically done. You know, you can't really use it anymore. And he didn't. But overall, I know he has pride in the way he defended himself against Charles Oliveira, but we have to look at it at face value. He got dominated. It was a dominant performance by Charles. And to sit here in 2020 saying that is wild. Because like I said, this is a guy I saw at UFC 152. And even before that, he was a hype train that kind of got derailed. You know, the, the hype around him... And expectations went down as he was winning some fights. He was losing some fights. He goes down in weight. He doesn't make weight. And it just, it seemed like all the hype around him was dead. But now these past couple of years, it's just a new fighter. Eight fight win streak. I can't wait to see what's next for him. And yeah, I, we have to just wait for Dustin Poirier versus Conor McGregor, but I even think he's going to be trouble for both of those guys, in my opinion. That win he had against Tony Ferguson was not only a torch-passing moment but for him, but it was a torch-passing moment for the entire lightweight division, in my opinion, which told me that there's a new era of the lightweight division. The guys that we thought were the best at one point are no longer going to be the best. Tony Ferguson is no longer going to be the best. And I even might have to say the same with Conor McGregor and Dustin Poirier. I don't think if we have more fighters like Char Charles Oliveira coming up, it's just, it's not gonna, it's not gonna be good, you know? And that's what I believe is gonna happen with the lightweight division. And I can't wait to see what's next for Charles Oliveira, man. He's exciting as ever right now. On to the next fight, the third fight of the main card, Mackenzie Dern versus Virma Janjajan. <laughs> I can't even say the last name, and I was oh, I was listening to it so much. Um, Jan Deroba, Jan Deroba. I don't think it's Jan Deroba. Um, but this could have easily been a fight of the night as well, man. There was multiple fight of the nights on this card, which is why it was so awesome. Um, the craziest moment of this fight, well, first off, it hardly went to the ground um, because both of them are high-level jiu-jitsu practitioners. So it was basically a stand-up fight. And Mackenzie Dern, she looks good on her feet, man. I'm impressed with how 
much he has improved in her striking and overall as a fighter you know this was in kind of similar to charles Oliveira, a lot of hype around her she loses to amanda hebos and then has a baby she's out for a while but comes back and she's such a good striker now mixes out with her ground game and i'm excited for what's next for mackenzie dern and uh virna jandy jandy roba jandy is it jen jandy roba i don't know but Vera, um, Vera, no, she's a serious fighter, man. If you've seen her fights in Invicta, and I've seen a couple of them, she is like a vet for sure. She has more fights than Mackenzie Dern. She's been winning a lot of fights. She's the former, was it the former strawweight or former flyweight? She was a former champion in Invicta as well. This was a big test for Mackenzie and... Even though the fight was very close, I do think Mackenzie did enough to win it, especially with that last round. I, th I thought it was even going into the third, and then that last round, there was just a little bit more output from Mackenzie, and then she won the fight by unanimous decision. But yeah, this was a really good fight, man. Um, There's one point where Mackenzie, her nose was broken, and then she was held up against the cage, and you could just see her moving it around i thought that was brutal that was crazy when i saw that um overall very good fight could have been a fight of the night as well let's talk about kevin holland kevin holland defeated jacques souza by punches in the first round and man i have i i get that we saw the joaquin buckley knockout and that's like a once in a lifetime type of knockout but this knockout for me personally and maybe it's a maybe it's a bias like a recency bias of mine but for me i think this is the knockout of 2020 man because this guy was off his back with Jacques Rey, who's a high level brazilian jiu-jitsu practitioner and kevin holland oh my god like kevin holland knocked him out from his back like hot with with a with a hook basically you know how crazy that is i know there's been people who've done it before but no one has done it with an actual hook he he was talking kevin holland was talking about how nico price did it but nico price did it with a hammer fist you could get a little bit more moment momentum with that um tony ferguson he did it with a heel kick lots of momentum with that with that swing but to do it with a swing of a hook like you you need to have a lot of body momentum in order for it to con not only connect but in order for it to cause impact but for him to do this and knock jacques out is is crazy when i saw that i was amazed and i'll be honest i wasn't even on the kevin holland hype train after his four fight win streak because those fighters weren't big names you know i was like aside from joaquin buckley who wasn't even a big name when he fought him um there wasn't really anyone where i said okay um kevin holland is the real deal but this fight for me puts him in that category this was an impressive win over a top middleweight for a long time i don't know if this uh hurts jacques Ray in the sense of getting 
cut by the UFC because I know the UFC is doing a lot of that recently, but um, he's still game in my opinion. He went split. He went to a split decision with Jan Blahovic, and um, for Kevin Holland to do this is just I'm impressed, man. It was so good. So I can't wait to see what's next for Kevin Holland. Is what I'm trying to say. And then the fight that opened up the main card was Cyril Gunn, who defeated Junior Dos Santos, TKO elbows in the second. And I say this with so much sadness because Junior Dos Santos was one of my favorite fighters back in the day, man. Not just because he was a knockout machine and he was so aggressive on his feet, but he is such a good guy. The guy smiles so much. He's so friendly and to see this basically really hurts and the only thing I could really say about it is that Junior is not fighting like he used to and a lot of that is because of his chin you know he can't take shots like he used to you know like if you saw those Cain Velasquez fights he took a lot of damage in those um there was other ones too. Stipe, when he fought Stipe for the first time, he, he took a lot of hits as well. But Cyril Gunn, man, I'm impressed with him. He was uh, patient for the most part. And then he finally attacked with the jab that hurt Junior and finished him off with uh, more elbows. I know there was controversy about one of those elbows going to the back of the head. But in the end of the day, man, it was inevitable that Junior was going to lose after that that jab, that jab that hurt him because he immediately just curled up and even without the elbows, man, I think um, he was done basically. So it sucks to see that he's on a four fight losing streak now. I do think he will probably get cut by the UFC, especially with all the cuts they're making. And honestly, I just, I hope for the best for him. If he wants to continue fighting, I hope he um goes to a fun promotion um but it i would like to see him hang it up because he's proven so much already he doesn't have to prove anything more so good for surreal is what i'm trying to say in the prelims man i could talk about every fight like i said and i will cub swanson nasty ko over daniel pineda and which is funny because look cub swanson defeated charles Oliveira years back and he's on the prelims while charles Oliveira, he's the co-main event and he, now he's basically a top light heavyweight contender it's crazy how how much this sport fluctuates it's a crazy sport and that's why i love it Cub Swanson, man, nasty knockout. It should have got a knockout of the night, in my opinion, a performance of the night, um, shall I say. And But it did go to Rafael Fizeev, who was just before Cub Swanson, and he knocked out Hanato Moicano with a nasty, nasty combo. I was surprised because I, I actually really do like Hanato Moicano. I believed he was going to be a top contender at featherweight, and then he moved up to lightweight. It's not really working out so much there. And Rafael Fizeev, man, this was a very impressive win from him. He has serious knockout power for sure. And I would love to see him in the future. There's so many fights I could think of right now. I saw 
uh, Brett Okamoto, he was talking about him, uh, Rafael Fezea versus um, Bobby Green. That would be a fun fight. Or even uh, Fezea versus Benil Dariush. Man, this it's crazy because I, I say that the lightweight division is changing now, but the new class of lightweights coming up are equally as good and maybe even better um which is so exciting for the future of the division um let's talk about gavin tucker canadian he defeated billy quarantillo quarantillo or i think it's quarantillo billy quarantillo and honestly i thought billy quarantillo he was gonna win this fight i was following his uh, previous two wins in the UFC and he was looking really good and I thought okay this guy is going to be serious trouble in the lightweight division in the featherweight division and I still think so he looked good in this fight it's just that Gavin Tucker was so is so technical man you know you need to be on his level of technique in order to beat him um but Billy Quarantillo he showed so much heart in this fight he didn't give up even though he was basically being dominated uh throughout this fight by gavin tucker outclassed basically shall i say and gavin tucker man this guy is gonna be a serious contender i'm just gonna say it right now i know he's 34 years old and that may be the only reason why it's not gonna happen because he's getting older but the skill he showed in this fight and to do it against billy quarantillo is very impressive this was a great win by gavin tucker and i can't wait to see what's next for him i'm just thinking what would be a fun fight um he deserves someone good because i know billy quarantillo he's not a high-ranked fighter but he's a game opponent for any fighter in the featherweight division and to see what gavin tucker did i was just so impressed so i'd like to see him oh man <laughs> i honestly would love to just like see him against someone like korean zombie i know that's a huge jump for him but that would be a friggin fun fight in my opinion because gavin tucker he's not only just good on the feet but he's also good on the ground overall i'm so impressed with his game you could tell that he has so much fight experience behind um behind him and I don't know, man. I think this is the guy that is going to bring hope back to championships in Canada, UFC championships. So I can't wait to see what's next for Gavin Tucker. Tisha Torres defeated Sam Hughes by TKO Dr. Stoppage. She was out striking Sam for this entire fight, who took this fight on short notice. She was only, I think, 5-0 and or 5-1, and something like that not much experience this was basically a showcase fight for tisha torres and going into the second round it was yeah going into the second round um sam hughes couldn't see out of i think her left eye and uh the doctor called it but um overall man i would love to give this card a 10 out of 10 because it was so entertaining from top to bottom um but I don't think it was perfect. Like I said, there was moments that um, that weren't great. I think the only moments that I could say that wasn't that great was 
seeing Junior Dos Santos lose, which it is what it is, you know, that's the game. Uh, Tony Ferguson losing, that hurts too, I'm going to be for real. Um, the final round of Davison Figueiredo and Brandon Moreno, that was like, that wasn't that great. It, was, it kind of uh, was a bad end to a beautiful fight card. I'll probably give it, oh man, I do want to give it a 10, but I don't think it was perfect. That's why I'm kind of reluctant to giving it a 10. I'll give it a a 9 or even a 9.5, honestly, because it was so good. Um, I'll give it a 9.5 out of 10. What do you think? Let me know in the comments. I want to hear what you thought about this UFC 256 card. And I'll see you in my next recap. Bye-bye.